Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Veronica Tugaleva said, A happy person is not without sorrow or grief. Happiness is the acceptance of pain, not the lack of it. This is episode 61 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Larry Camp. His earliest memories of feeling vulnerable were every time he ended up in a new school because his family moved around a lot. It was the awkward feeling when the teacher called his name and he knew everyone was looking at him. The next time he felt it was when he realized that his passion for playing baseball wasn't going to take him to the majors. These paled in comparison to what was to come later in life. His eldest son would end up diving pretty deep into drugs out of high school and has struggled with his addictions until now. His middle child would suddenly die of a ruptured artery at 31 years old. The trauma of both of these events would change his life completely and bring him new perspective. Now he's the author of Nobody Knows, helping people make sense of some of life's deepest questions, as well as the host of the Nobody Knows Your Story podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Larry Camp. Hey, Larry, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Uh, You're one of many people who signed up through podcastguest.com, and it definitely seems to me just from the little bit that I know that you have a powerful story to share, so I'm just glad that you decided to sign up and come on. Brian, thank you. Yes, I uh, I do have a good story, I believe. Uh, but I also believe everybody has a good story. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm an optimist that way. But yeah, thanks for having me on your show. No, definitely. And and I agree. I think that we all have stories that just uh, some of us maybe haven't realized it yet. So um, the first question I asked to get started uh, is what is your definition of vulnerability? Um, you know, vulnerability, I guess, my opinion would be if there's a weakness possibly in your character or maybe it's, it could be age, you know, you're an older person, so you're vulnerable to certain things. Maybe you're, you've had some emotional issues in your life and you're vulnerable to certain things. Maybe um, certain phrases or words are going to be triggers for you and, and you could find yourself in a vulnerable position. Um, but I guess for me, I think everybody would be vulnerable at some point. They might not think they are. But I do believe that just as I just said, we're all going to fall into some category that makes us vulnerable and, and, and that would include myself. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I've, I've actually, don't think I've ever heard something like that before, but it does make complete sense that at some point in our life, to whether it's, you know, a situation or like you said, your age or whatever it might be, something is going to bring some sort of vulnerability into your life. So um, definitely agree with what you have to say there. So, well, and you, and you may find yourself for example, you're fine. And then all of a sudden something happens and now you are in a vulnerable position because of what happened to you in your life. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's sort of the situation that happened to me a few years ago when I got let go from uh, one of my jobs and it was just like, uh, I didn't expect it. I sort of walked in that day thinking it was just another day of work and then leaving with sort of my head uh, hanging low. So I, I definitely understand how. And I, and I remember that. And I think you sat in your car for a while. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and just kind of like, what the hell just happened? You know? Yeah. 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 That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's like you said. It's one of those things where when you don't expect it, it can definitely uh, add some vulnerability. So, and that definitely did. Um, so, if you can look back on your own life now and and go back as far as you want, you know, when would you say would be your earliest memory of facing some sort of vulnerability or, or struggle in your own life? It's funny the little things that you when you do look back and i'm a journal keeper so i actually have written record of my life my mom helped me of course with the early years but from about the age of uh 14 or 15 on i kept a journal oh, wow. uh, and and so sometimes i will actually if i'm curious about a date or something i'll just go back into an old journal i can find it and locate it but i remember um some feelings of vulnerability when we moved as a, as a child, you know, and you're new and you're going into class and the teacher would go through the role and say Lawrence camp. And man, I didn't like going by Lawrence. I I've always kind of by Larry. And, and so everybody's eyes on you, you know, and you just, you feel vulnerable. I mean, you just, cause you're, you're new and you're in a, a different environment and you're not uh, accepted yet, or at least you don't feel like you are. And so I remember those uh, because that happened to us a few times um, as a child, my, my dad took different positions and we moved around a little bit. Um, so that would probably be some of the earliest uh, memories, but I also just remember, and I don't know if you feel, if, if you could say that sometimes failure to meet a goal or something like that mm -hmm. might leave you feeling vulnerable. But I remember that as a baseball player all my life, you have these dreams of wanting to keep moving up and progressing. And if you don't hit those uh, marks, so to speak, then maybe you feel like a failure. And sometimes when you feel like you have failed at something, you find yourself in a more vulnerable position. And I, I know I felt that way a number of times where I kind of just went home and like, wow, I guess I'm not going to play in the majors. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and both of those stories, I mean, I've heard similar things from past guests in terms of like, whether it's a sport or moving or whatever it might be you know, where it's left them feeling sort of awkward and vulnerable. And so I can completely understand where you're coming from. If you were to look back on, you know, those, you know, you said, you know, you moved around a lot, new schools, new people, having to make new friends and all that kind of stuff. What would you say helped you the most sort of get through those tough times? Like, you know, was it, were you just a very social person or was there something that, you know, was there a relatability that you had? Like, how did you sort of get through that each time that it happened? I'll tell you one thing that's a real key for me is I look back on my past and, and I kind of point to one thing that happened. Um, when I was 14 years old, we would go to these church dances. I, I lived in San Diego, California at the time, and we would have these Saturday night dances. And I would go because back then they had live bands and I just, you know, I was becoming a drummer and I would just love to watch the drummer. And I'd, I'd stand right up by the stage sometimes. And I remember girls coming occasionally and asking me to dance. And I'd be like, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> and because I didn't feel like I knew how to dance and I did, I felt like every eye would be on me and critiquing every move I made. And, and so, yeah, I was definitely, um, felt a little inadequate there, but I was also fairly shy of through zero through 14. And I, uh, all of a sudden my sister tells me, Hey, you know, Becky, you know, kind of likes you and I'd like you to, you know, reciprocate or ask her out or dance with her or do something. And so I had, I had all of a sudden I knew this girl liked me. And then after 
oh, I don't know, a matter of weeks, and I never kissed her. She told my sister, why doesn't he kiss me? <laughs> oh, well, hey, well, you know, back again, I'm pretty shy, whatever. So one day we're sitting in the back of this guy's car, and I went over to say something to her, and she kissed me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, man, it was on. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just telling you, that was a turning point in my life. All of a sudden, I was like, hey, you want to dance? Uh, I mean, you know, it was like I just had this confidence, and I, I never looked back. From that moment on, I became uh, more of an extrovert, more of a, uh, you know, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm not as, I, w I just wasn't as shy as I was before. And, and I kind of look at that moment as a 14-year-old is where it kind of just a, a switch flipped and I just changed. So that's, that is one moment that I can clearly remember. No, it sounds to me like, and, and just because you mentioned it there, it sounds to me like it was family that was sort of your support system. You know, your, your sister sort of looking out for you saying like, hey, like, wake up. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. There's, there's somebody here that that likes you. And so, uh, you know, and that, and that seems to be the case with a lot of people. It tends to be our family or close friends or something of that sort that sort of, you know, helps us get out of these situations or, or through these moments. And, and that's, uh, like you said, it was your sister. It's funny to me, though, because, you know, it seems to me like I would have thought you were going to say something about sports because usually when you correlate confidence, you look at like the guys that played sports and, and they just had like this uber amount of confidence and, you know, just always didn't, didn't have a hard time, you know, uh, making friends or girlfriends or whatever the case was. So I, I find it interesting that it didn't end up being sports or did that even happen later on? Well, and you know, I have always loved sports and to me, you know, I have, several passions. One would be girls, one would be sports, one would be family. And I don't know how I would put those in any kind of an order, but, uh, but yeah, sports for me, I was never big. So sometimes that's an advantage in sports. I was never fast, which is an advantage in sports. So to be small and slow, you know, that's not too good, but, uh, I grew a little bit, I got a little better. And I would say that my ability and when I say sports, it's pretty much baseball, softball. But uh, but even in my 60s now, I still play competitive softball. I play several days a week. I travel to play in different tournaments. And I can honestly say that it's something I've continued to work on to get better. And I feel like I'm a better hitter as far as being able to, you know, I can place the ball pretty much anywhere on the diamond. Um, and, and I'm better at that now than I was at any time in my life. So I guess in one way, it just shows to me, you can get better at something even as you get older <laughs> to, to a degree. I'm still, uh, I'm still not fast. I'm still not big, but you know, uh, I can place the ball. Let's put it that way, but it's not going over the fence. So, <laughs> well, well, I think again, another important point in terms of like, you're saying that things can get better with age. Cause I think a lot of us think, uh, have this sort of thought process that as we get older, it's just going to get worse or, or, you know, things aren't going to get better. And, and like you're saying, there's still an opportunity to grow no matter sort of what age you are. So I think that's just something I want to pull out of that. Something I want to go back to as well is sort of, you spoke of, you know, confidence being this thing that entered your life after sort of that first girlfriend and everything. Um, what other strengths would you say you found in yourself? Because, you know, confidence being one of them, but then, you know, you said you weren't always the, the biggest guy, the fastest guy. So what, what sort of kept you motivated to continue trying to pursue sports? Cause you did say that you obviously had the dream to go to the major leagues. And even though it didn't happen, like w knowing that you weren't the best, what sort of motivated or what strength did you find in yourself to keep pushing yourself forward, even though that may not happen? 
I think that uh, for many people, you have a plan B or a plan C or whatever, if one thing doesn't work out. So, you know, playing sports professionally didn't work out for me, but I ended up getting my degree in sports broadcasting. So I went, uh, you know, first job out of college, I got a job as a weekend sports anchor at KIVA channel 12 in Farmington, New Mexico. And, uh, you know, I'd go out and cover high school games and different things. And it, it was, it was fun. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I always kind of envisioned myself doing some play by play, which I did in college for our, our baseball, uh, you know, some basketball stuff like that. But, uh, but I did pursue it in a different route, I guess, as, as far as still being involved in sports, just wasn't, uh, you know, participating as much, uh, at least certainly professionally, but I've always continued to play. I've always felt like, um, there are lessons to be learned that, that cross over between, uh, sports and business. I ended up getting into going into business because that weekend anchor thing just wasn't my gig. So <laughs> I, I had an opportunity to go into business. I ended up working for shell oil, um, in the end it was shell oil. We got acquired four times, but 22 years in the quick oil change or quick lube business. So I was all over the West coast and, uh, ended up my career, uh, managing or, or supervising, I guess, company stores for Jiffy Lube, which uh, most people have heard of. I had all the, uh, company stores on the West coast. So I did that. So I, yeah, 22 years of doing that, but, but I used the, I think my drive for sports and for trying to excel and get better all the time, I, I just transitioned that into business. So I started out as a store manager in Las Vegas, Nevada. And like I say, over the years, got promoted and advanced. And, and I think that there's a lot of correlation between the two. No, for sure. And and I think that, again, you know, like I said, confidence was something that you mentioned. But also, I think the important part is that you you found drive in one shape or form. And, and that's obviously being driven, I think, is is obviously an important skill to have because, you know, motivation is not always there. Inspiration is not always there. But if you have there's that drive inside of you that is going to keep pushing you forward then those other things like motivation and inspiration can come sort of later on or, or throughout the process. So I think the fact that you were able to discover confidence and drive at a young age definitely, you know, makes sense as to how your, your career progressed over the years, even though it wasn't necessarily in the, the sort of world that you expected it might be in. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, that's, that's awesome that you were able to discover that at a, at a young age. Cause most of us, I don't think even have discovered that now. So <laughs> I will say this, Brian, that I, th- you know, I got married. Um, we had uh, a, a son, you know, a couple of years later. And I will say this, I think sometimes being married, having the responsibility of family will also get you to do things that you maybe wouldn't have done if you were still single or something. So, uh, and I had a very supportive wife. Uh, she was always there if we need, Hey, we got, you know, I've had this opportunity, but now we need to move to Southern California. Okay. Uh, I mean, we lived in four States alone in 1983. Oh, wow. So, and she supported me with each move. Um, so that's important too, to have somebody in your corner that's, that's there to support and inspire you and motivate you when you're down and, so my wife, Judy, has been there for me. And uh, yeah, we come up on 40 years next year. So well, congratulations. And and I couldn't agree more. I, I've experienced that over the last few years of my life. I've been married for uh, coming up on 10 years next year. And, and, you know, I've throughout the last few years, especially as I've been going through some of the harder times in my own life, my wife, she's supported me the whole time we've been together. But in the last few years, I've seen it as well and can definitely understand where you're coming from. And, and in terms of a family, we're having a kid soon. So I should be able to 
see that part of things soon um, as well. Yeah. But uh, but I'm glad that, that you sort of brought that up. So uh, I guess at this point now, like I mean, like I said, I, I know you shared a bit of your story um, through the podcast guest.com bio. I wouldn't mind if you sort of go into that, you know, at, at, like at the beginning of the episodes is really just to get a, a feel for, you know, some vulnerabilities that you faced and, and how you got through them. But I think that it seems that later on in your life is where a lot more of the, the sort of the vulnerability was present. So um, however you want to sort of get into that, uh, go ahead. Okay. Well, I would say that um, I mentioned that I got married. Uh, we had three children, um, oldest son born in 1983. So uh, then a son, Dusty, born in 86. And I should say my first son was Crosby, uh, born in uh, 83, Dusty, 86. And then Tatum, our daughter, born in 1996. So oh, wow. a <laughs> little there. difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little difference for sure. But you know, typical upbringing, I would say, for our children, we had a lot of opportunities to do things and take them places. One of the biggest things that's always been important in our lives is the uh, is the culture of Hawaii and visiting Hawaii. So we would take our kids there uh, at least every other year uh, for for their whole lives. They've they've always done, that. and we ended up living in Hawaii full time from 2014 to 2016. So I mention those things only because they would be the first to tell you that they had a lot of fun growing up and that anything that subsequently happened to them was not because of, uh, you know, the environment that they were brought up or, mm -hmm. or whatever. So my oldest son, Crosby, he got into uh, drugs and things at right out of high school, I guess, or maybe even started his senior year of high school. And has really just battled it his whole, the whole rest of his life. So uh, he still is struggling, but doing better. And when I say doing better, he's incarcerated right now. So he's in what they call forced rehab, but, but he's doing better because, because for the last 15 months he's drug free. And so we have hope for him. And I think as a parent, you always have hope for your children. You're only as uh, happy as your most unhappy child. So when I feel, and I talk to him and he's doing better, or we visit him and he's doing better, then it gives me hope for the day that he's out sometime next year, he'll be released. And, you know, his, his, his life will move forward, hopefully in a positive way, but it's up to him. So we know that he knows that. So that's Crosby. My second son, Dusty, um, you know, good kid growing up, no problems really, uh, got joined the air force did four years in the air force, but Dusty, uh, and my daughter Tatum got married in 2017. They both, they, they married 20 days apart. So oh, wow. Tatum on, yeah, Tatum on March 10th of 2017 and then Dusty on March 30th of 2017. And, you know, great time in our lives. Uh, we were just preparing for a move uh, from Arizona. Well, we'd moved from Hawaii back to Arizona, then Arizona. We were just preparing to move to Southern Utah and uh, right here, not far from Zion National Park. But all of a sudden, life threw us a curve and, and Dusty unexpectedly died from a... Um, ruptured artery and at the age of 31. So co just caught us all off guard. He had only been married at the time about 15 months. And, you know, of course his wife was just devastated and that really has changed our lives forever. We're, we're not the same people where we were before and we never will be. And there's, there's just this hole that losing a child is always there, but it also, you know, I'm not saying, 
that for everybody's experience is the same. I'm just saying that for me, I move forward in my life, meaning that when I play ball or I do any kind of business or I do anything, I just move forward. But Dusty is there always. He's always in the back of my mind. If I have an opportunity to bring him up like I'm doing here on your podcast, I, I like to do that because I feel like it's a way of me sharing um, the fact that he's no longer with us, but in a way he is still with us. I, I went out on the one month anniversary of his death and got a, uh, his name tattooed on my wrist with a shooting star because he was into astronomy. <laughs> in, in the night that he died, I was actually at a softball tournament in Las Vegas and I drove home that night and uh, outside the, the window as I'm driving, I saw this shooting star and it lasted for like four or five seconds. It was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. And so I actually had my buddy put that on when he did the tattoo. So yeah, I just, I just want to mention the fact that, that uh, Dusty passed just because it has been life altering. And, you know, in some ways I entered into uh, an area of vulnerability that I hadn't been before, but uh, daughter Tatum, like I say, married right about the same time. Uh, married and she lives in Hawaii on the island of Oahu with her husband who's in the Coast Guard and they just had a daughter uh, who's about 20 months old now I guess and so we have one granddaughter so it's interesting <laughs> life you just go through different phases and different changes and and you never know what's going to hit you and uh, I mention these things simply because they are part of my life story which you know your story continues to develop and change and is added to as as the months and years go by, but you just never know. Sometimes uh, the, the things that are going to come into your life and the things that are going to happen, and they're not always the way that you would want them to happen, but you have choices to make once they do. And we're choosing to, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'm a glass half full guy, always have been. And I think that helps me. I, I've not been one like my son Crosby, who deals with depression and things like that, and sometimes will then turn to some substance and, and abuse it. So everybody's different. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. So, I mean, I'm just trying to sort of take that all in right now because that's uh, quite a bit to sort of, I, I guess, have to to go through as a parent. I mean, like I said, I'm not a parent yet, so I, I can't even begin to relate, but I can only imagine sort of what sort of that, that would do to one person's life and, and just how it would maybe change things in terms of, you know, their thought process or, or you know, how they live and so on. I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to losing your son, I've heard, and obviously, again, I haven't experienced it, but I've heard that one of the worst experiences for a parent is having their child sort of pass before they do, because it's not sort of the natural progression that we assume is going to happen. Yeah. And you know, Brian, that's interesting. When my younger brother, Jeff, when he was 16, he broke his neck on a trampoline and he became a quadriplegic and ended up, you know, as, as many quadriplegics do, they, they battle different, um, oh, infections and things that they get. And he ended up with bladder cancer and died at the age of 28. And I'll never forget being at his funeral and my mom turning to me and saying that very thing, you, you never anticipate having to bury one of your children. And at the time in 1988, my boys were like two, Dusty was two and, and Crosby was like five. And mm -hmm. I just remember even then thinking, oh my gosh, what would I do if one of these guys passed away? I, I, I couldn't go on. And, and they were just, you know, little kids. So that's, that's a, a, a true statement. I, I have had a couple friends who've also had children pass 
And it's, it's certainly not a club you want to be a member of, but on the other hand, we also, I think, uh, get strength from each other as we talk. And it's, it's fun for us to kind of reminisce and share stories about our children. Um, Crosby, uh, my, my oldest son, he, he just loved his brother and, and that it's part of the reason why he's incarcerated right now, because when Dusty passed, Crosby just spun out of control and, um, you know, he's not a violent person, but he just, he's just one that got back into the drugs again and just, uh, he just couldn't handle the, the loss of his brother. So everybody handles these things differently and some do so very quietly. Sometimes it puts them into a funk that, that they can't get through and get over for years, if ever. Mm-hmm. And there is no timeline either. That's the other thing is that people are like, okay, well, Hey, it's been a year, year and a half. Now you need to, you know, kind of move on. What? <laughs> so everybody get, you know, handles these things differently. And my wife and I, we're so lucky that we have each other because we can talk and we visit and we talk this morning. She's, she's at the gym right now, uh, socially distancing herself doing <laughs> yoga. But, uh, but uh, I, I just, you know, we just talked this morning for probably 30, 40 minutes about this very thing about our, our kids and what they're doing and, you know, how, how life is throwing us these curveballs and, and, you know, having that person there to be a sounding board is very important and very helpful for me. So, yeah, it's been a, it's, you know, it's something that you don't anticipate. You do not anticipate losing a child for sure. Because when you have a baby, you just envision all these wonderful things they're going to do mm-hmm. in their life. And, you know, Hey, you could be a sports star or president of the United States someday. I'm not sure we want our kids to do that anymore, but, <laughs> but it used to be the dream. <laughs> no. And, and, and the other thing too, is like from, and I, I don't know the full story, obviously, but it sounds to me that the, the passing of your son was pretty sudden. Like it didn't seem to me the way that you sort of, and, and maybe you can get into a bit more, but it didn't seem that there was any conditions or something that would have made this sort of apparent to you guys. It seems like it just sort of happened without any sort of knowledge of, of why or how or anything like that. And, and to me, that's just another sort of, you know, layer to add on to this in terms of like having to deal with it because if there was some sort of condition that he was facing you know it might have been something you know like your with your your brother that you mentioned where like you can sort of see something coming because of something else but it seems to me that this was sort of sudden if if I'm if I'm not uh, mistaken oh no that's true yeah my brother Jeff he got cancer and that's eventually what what took him but for Dusty you know he was a surveyor and he was just working one day and just had severe stomach pains. Uh, they actually airlifted him to the hospital. This is on a Thursday. Kept him there about six hours. You know, they just couldn't really see too much that was wrong with him. You know, sent him home. Uh, Friday, he didn't go to work and didn't feel great throughout the day. But uh, all of a sudden, he was on the phone. And he goes, hey, I got to go. And he stood up, clutched his stomach, and collapsed. His wife was there and saw it, ran over, called 911, and started giving him CPR. But the bottom line, he, this, and here's the weird thing. He dies and they can't even tell you what he died from. And the coroner report said, well, it could be three to six months. So for three months, people are out there asking us, so what happened? And we're like, we're not sure, you know, and I'm sure they were maybe drawing their own conclusions or whatever, but the, I still remember exactly what the coroner said in the report. It said he died of a spontaneous dissection of the right iliac artery. I didn't even know what an iliac artery was. 
and uh, I had to look it up, but I guess there are these, these arteries that run up through your, the, your thighs kind of into your abdomen. So when he grabbed his stomach and collapsed, we believe that that's when his, his, that artery burst and he was gone within an hour. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It just happened. Suddenly I was in Las Vegas at a tournament. Like I said, Judy was actually in Hawaii cause our daughter was about ready to have our granddaughter. And so we, neither one of us were even, even there. And, and he was in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah, it was a very, very difficult thing to go through. We had a celebration of his life a week later, but sometimes it's hard to celebrate, you know, a yeah. young person who passes just because they had so much life ahead of them, you know, and, and so many fun things to experience and do. And, uh, we actually, uh, because he loved Hawaii so much, like we all uh, do in our family, we took his ashes and made a trip out there and we took his wife with us cause she'd never been. And that was something they had planned on doing together. And we went and we spread his ashes at a special beach that he had enjoyed as a child. And, and I think that that was something that was important for all of us because my daughter couldn't attend the celebration because she'd just had the baby. The baby was in the hospital for the first week. Um, so this was something she was able to participate in with her husband, Jack as well. And, uh, I think there was brought a little closure, you know, to the, to the, uh, the whole situation for, for all of us. But, uh, in another way, we just felt like this was a place where he would want to be, you know? So I think mentally, a lot of times when you do those things as parents or friends or family, you know, it's for us, it's, it's, you know, he's passed and, and we, we, we believe and hope he's in a better place. Um, the title of my book and is nobody knows they just want you to think they do. <laughs> so, so when I say these things, I, I have to always follow it up by saying, but nobody knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just hope he's in a good place and, and that we'll see him again. Yeah, no, I can't like when you mentioned closure there, that was one of the things that like I was sort of thinking about as you were talking about the fact that like you weren't around, your wife was traveling, like, you know, when, when a lot of us, you know, think about obviously somebody passing or whatever, we all, all sort of hope for this. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's sort of like we have this hope that, you know, we're going to get those last few days or whatever hours to have the discussions with the person and, and, you know, talk about things or whatever. And so when these sort of sudden things happen, like with your son, um, you know, closure would seem to be something that'd be hard to, to achieve, but it seems like you guys were able to find that through sort of this celebration that you had and traveling back to somewhere that you had traveled as a family and, and having sort of that moment to, to sort of remember your son. Yeah, it would have, it would have been great to been able to um, have a situation where you can be there and talk to him a little bit before he passes or something. But yeah, that, that just wasn't the situation. And, and so that trip together gave us a chance. And, and as we were each spreading his ashes, we would, we would just talk a little bit about him and a memory that we had or a story, a funny story that we had or something like that. So I think it was uh, therapeutic in many ways and, and certainly something that I look back on as a fond memory, not as, not as necessarily a sad memory. This was, this had been a couple months after he passed and uh, maybe we were, you know, having some time to come to grips with what actually happened. I think you're just in shock for the first couple of weeks, but uh but yeah, so that was an experience. And we have some pictures we took of the day there at the beach. We got there early, you know, before the sun came up and as it was coming up. And so it was just a special time uh, to gather there as a family. But, uh, and to, like I say, give us a little closure uh, of that uh, particular episode and time in our life. No, for sure. And then like, 
so then, you know, all this is sort of happening and happened. And then with your other son, like you're saying, he sort of, I guess, reverts back to a place that you obviously would have hoped that he didn't, but did because of sort of this traumatic event. And so what, like, what did that add to the whole situation uh, as a, you know, a parent and just, you know, having to sort of go from, you know, one situation that was already hard enough to another that just, I, I would say, made it harder, I would assume. Well, yes. And, and, you know, it's interesting because we had also had a, a religion that we were very, what I call a, oh, kind of a, a, a high demand religion. We were brought up as uh, in Mormonism. And so in Mormonism, it's not just you show up once or twice a year to church. It's, it's every week and during the week and uh, everything from, from things you wear to how you groom yourself to everything. So very, very high demand. And we had just left that religion uh, probably two years about before Dusty passed. And I, I mentioned that because in the religion, when somebody passes away, you know where they're going. And because you know, you've been taught all your life, okay, hey, well, here's where you're going to go based on how you live. And so that was kind of always a comforting thing when somebody would pass. Well, now that all of a sudden that religion is gone and that belief is gone, now it's like, well, nobody knows. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where he is. I just have hopes and things. So for Crosby then to kind of to revert back and go out of control and find himself incarcerated, I mean, this was only in February, so it hadn't even been six months since Dusty had passed. It, it was another thing that we just had to kind of deal with. And, and of course, we had just moved, so we were in an area where we didn't really know anybody or knew very, at that point, we might have had a couple friends I made through softball or something. But we, so, you know, we're in a new place. We didn't have our religious base anymore, our, our religion to fall back on. We, um, a few friends in the area, uh, lost one son. Our daughter's in Hawaii, so not close by. And then we have this son incarcerated. So yeah, it was a lot on our plate at that time for sure. But again, I, I've mentioned a couple times already, I, I drew strength from my wife, Judy. Um, she's just, she's just, you know, one of a kind. I mean, I, I, I don't, not sure I could be with somebody for 40 years if, if it wasn't somebody I enjoyed being with. <laughs> and she's, you know, my best friend and we, we love doing things together. We have very many things in common. And so, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking and a lot of time just, you know, helping each other when one of us was having a down day. But we just, again, I go back to the comment I made about being an optimist. I am just hoping and that my son in, in, that's in prison right now will be better when he gets out, that he will be ready to move forward in his life and and have a life because he really hasn't from the time he was 18 years old. He's just been at times homeless and at times uh, incarcerated from other previous, uh, uh, you know, wrongdoings. And so, yeah, we just want nothing but the best for him. Uh, we'll help him where we can, but the bottom line is, is you know, if it is to be, it's up to me as the old saying, and it's going to be up to him if he's going to, if he's going to succeed. So he, we, we visit him and we tell him these things and, of course, he's doing much better. He just completed a one-year course within that uh, prison. It's called the HOPE program, which is an acronym for helping offenders parole effectively. And I think he's got some tools that he didn't have before that I think will uh, hopefully give him a better outcome this time. 
No. So one thing I, I'm like uh, curious about, I guess, is you, you've mentioned obviously your wife being uh, a major part of sort of your strength and support throughout all this, but is there anything else that you can think of? Because again, I can't imagine having to sort of, you know, go through all these different things, you know, sort of back to back to back. And I know you mentioned earlier, you know, when you talked about your son's passing that there's, you know, groups that you've talked to of people that have, you know, faced similar situations. And I don't know if that's something else that's helped or, but is there any, like, even I'm just wondering too, you know, you, you said you have a book, was that process of writing a book and sort of putting, you know, these things into words, was that helpful at all? Like, I'm just curious because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm a listener listening to this episode, I'm sitting here going, wow, like how, how do you make it through all that? Like, I can't even imagine one of those things, let alone, you know, a, a few of them. And so I don't know if there's anything else that you can sort of share or that you can think of that, that sort of, you know, was there other than, you know, sort of that support of your wife that you mentioned. Yeah, I had actually published the book the year before my son passed. And so immediately, because it's print on demand, it's not like there was a warehouse full of 10,000 books somewhere. So I could easily go in and add to that book if I wanted to. And the book is a memoir. It's my life story and, you know, and then my take on thoughts about different subjects or whatever. But I thought right away, I want to write a chapter on, you know, losing a child. I shouldn't say right away. I actually waited a year, but I decided then I wanted to write a chapter on losing a child and how the rest of the world moves on. And in many ways, you know, the world expects you to move on. Mm-hmm. And I outwardly, it appears that we have moved on because when we're with them, we, you know, we just, we don't bring up Dusty's passing and things like that. But, but I wanted to kind of put this down in words and yes, it was therapeutic. It really was for me to, and it was hard. I mean, there was a lot of tears as I was writing it and, um, and so I just, I reissued that and it's actually just came out a couple of months ago. So it's just been since March that, that, uh, those changes were made. And of course, when you update the book, you know, I updated, uh, other chapters in the book just because two years had passed and now I just wanted to make them more current. And then I threw a chapter at the end. that's just a bonus chapter. That's just all about Hawaii just because <laughs> it's such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just Hawaii, but the culture, the history. And so I put that in there for those like-minded people that might just want to enjoy a little reading on uh, Hawaii, but yeah, very therapeutic for sure. And you, and like I said, you also mentioned like there was like, I guess, was it friends or, or was it like groups that you found or was there, cause you, you mentioned when you first talked about your son passing that you had people around you that had faced a similar situation. Was that something that you found or was that people that were already in your life at the time? It's kind of amazing. Only one person, I would say that was in my life at the time. And when I, uh, I retired at the age of 49, so I needed some things to do. So I got my real estate license in Arizona and in Hawaii. And, uh, one of the gals I worked with in Arizona, we, we partnered up for a while, Tracy and her son had died in a motorcycle accident. Uh, gosh, I guess it's been about eight years ago now. And so she had gone through this and I had been on the other side as one just, Hey, you know, what can I do? How can I help? And, and she, you know, really of course struggled as, as any parent would that has lost a child. So when Dusty passed, she was a great strength to me. She, you know, would, she called and she wrote just really uh, beautiful email messages and 
and text messages and things like that, just to let me know that she was there and she was, and if I had anything to talk about that she would be there. And, and we did, we talked a few times. And, um, I also had a couple of other people that had similar situations like that. And I had people come up to me that I had no idea that said, Hey, I just want you to know that I lost my son 20 years ago. And, you know, and they shared those experiences. So I think that there is some strength that we as parents get from one another who has gone through this. And, and it's even the people can't say, yeah, Hey, I know what you're going through yeah. unless they have mm-hmm. not, not, a, not on this subject. So, but those that have, you find some strength because they have gone through it and, and it has been maybe 20 years or five years or whatever. And so you know that, Hey, down the road, things, you don't forget about them, but it gets easier to move forward and to keep living. You yeah, know, like well, one thing that sort of comes to mind is I had somebody on a previous episode say that, like, you know, a lot of people think that grief is like this thing that you maybe go through for like a year or two and, and then like it's over. But what they brought up, the point that they brought up is that grief is like something that lasts forever. It's never going to go away. It's just the way that you maybe deal with it or the way that, you know, you see it or whatever, however you want to look at it, that might change. You're, you're never going to stop grieving the loss of that person. It's just that it may be easier to sort of do, which is, I, I think, similar to sort of what you were saying there. Yeah. And we still stay in touch with uh, Dusty's wife. Um, she had a really difficult time, as you can imagine, being the spouse of somebody who just dies unexpectedly at the age mm-hmm. of 31. You just would never imagine that. And she had some struggles. And so we've, we've stayed in touch with her. She's come and visited us here. And like I say, we took the trip over to Hawaii together and we have visited down in Arizona because we still have family down there. So that's been, that's been uh, strengthening for all of us when we get together and we love to talk about Dusty and just talk about the good times. And you know, a lot of people handle things differently as far as the grief goes. I would say that we continue to grieve in our own way and that doesn't go away. But for us, and I'm only going to speak for us and I'll really only speak for myself. I probably tear up almost on a daily basis. When I look at a certain picture, we have a picture of Dusty and Elizabeth on our wall uh, the day they were married. Still get emotional when I look at that. I have a picture right here on my computer. I'm looking at right now. Uh, next to my computer, my monitor, you know, those photo booths where you can go in and they snap mm-hmm. the four pictures in like, you know, 20 yeah, seconds yeah. or something. <laughs> I've got one from when he's about five years old and he and I are there making funny faces and stuff. And yeah, those things, those things can make me tear up and get me emotional. But, um, but I don't, that's, you know, that's not a weakness in my mind. That's just part of the process and, and part of recalling uh, the good times that you had with your loved one that has passed on. And so uh, I think we just keep it in perspective and we just realize that there is no timeline. Everybody handles it differently. And you just have to give them uh, room and, and respect for what they're going through. No, one, one thing I really want to echo with what you said right there in terms of like, you know, being okay with those emotions and, and releasing them and not thinking of them as a weakness. I think that's a huge um, sort of statement because I think, you know, and for myself, you know, I can say that, you know, when I lost somebody a few years ago that was very close to me, it was my grandfather. I didn't deal with it the best for the first little while because I wasn't willing to sort of have those emotions and face those certain things. Um, and whether it's because I saw it as a weakness or not, I don't know. But I just think that that's such an important thing to say because I think a lot of us, unfortunately, depending on how, you know, the loss happens and all that kind of stuff, we, we may try and, 
you know, suppress a lot of those feelings by doing other things or distracting ourselves and, and not allowing ourselves to just sort of have that moment or, you know, feel whatever we want to feel. And so I, I just really want to sort of echo that because I think it's important what you said in terms of, you know, if, if it's going to happen, like let it happen. You know, if, if something triggers an emotion, feel it, like don't just ignore it and, and try and like be like, you know, act like something didn't happen or that you're not hurting, you know, just embrace it sort of. I just think that's a huge sort of message to put out there. No, I agree. And it, and back to the religious upbringing that I had, there would be what I would call spiritual moments that would happen sometimes when somebody would say a certain thing or whatever, you would kind of feel this certain way. And I used to think, Oh, Hey, well, that's, that's just showing me that, you know, this must be true or whatever. And now that I'm not, I don't have any religious, uh, I don't belong to any, any group or anything. I just mm. feel that the best for me, again, my take is to just be a kind person and to try to, do good things for other people. And that's kind of how I try to live my life. But I will say this, that my daughter who also left Mormonism, she and her husband joined a non-denominational Christian religion. And she she actually got baptized in the ocean over there in Hawaii. And so she came to visit one time. She said, Hey dad, are there any churches around here? You can maybe uh, point me to or or whatever. I go, yeah, there's one that I've had some friends that go to and I'll go with you. I'll take you. And I walked in there with her, and it was one of these large uh, Christian churches in in Arizona, the, the area that where we were living at the time. And we walked in, and there was a band up on the stage, and these big monitors with the words that would you know people would sing along to. And I remember walking in there and just having this uh, warmth come over me, and all of a sudden tears were flowing. And I remember I would have thought wow, hey, this is a spiritual experience I'm having. Back when I was, you know, in in my Mormon faith, you know, reinforcing or or telling me that this is is true. And now I just realize since then, that's probably been about three, four years ago. Since then, now I've had that happen a couple more times when I'm listening to a song or maybe a line in a movie, like from Field of Dreams where he's with his father and he says, hey, dad, you want to have a catch? And all of a sudden I find myself welling up with tears or something. And I realize these are just good feelings that you have when something is important to you. And uh, that macho thing of growing up, at least when I did in the, you know, the seventies and the eighties that, you know, men are tough and this and that, I, I realized, and maybe part of it's just getting older too, but I realize now that I don't look at that as a weakness at all. I just look at that as, something that is just important to you at that moment in your life. And if it's a song or if it's something that uh, just being with somebody that you haven't seen for a long time and, and you just recognize the fact that they've meant so much to you in your life and it brought you strength and happiness um, and, a, and a few tears fall, that's to me, that's just emotion. And that's just reinforcing that that person or that song or that movie you're watching just had an impact on you in a positive way. No, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that the more open we are to sort of these experiences, the better off we are. I think that again, if we just try and ignore them or not acknowledge them, we're just, we're doing a disservice to ourselves. I think we need to just be more open to letting 
whatever emotions, feelings, whatever it is, come up and, and sort of just acknowledge them and be with them for, you know, uh, you know, obviously we, we want to hope that it doesn't sort of, it's not like a, a you know, day long or, or, you know, week long sort of, you know, you're stuck in this place, but to at least embrace it and, and sort of feel it when it's there. Like, I think that like you said, what you're saying there is, is, is again, it's just really important to be open to whatever it is you're feeling and, and experience it. So, um, so one thing I want to sort of, you know, coming towards the end here that I want to understand is, you know, as much as you, you definitely seem to have, you know, dealt with everything that happened pretty well. And, and, and in many ways, you know, you were able to sort of, you know, work through it and everything with your family and with your friends. But was there any sort of toll that, you know, this sort of all these things happening in, in such a short period of time took on you? Um, you know, whether that be emotionally, physically, whatever, however you want to sort of look at it, like, what, what sort of toll would you say th- this whole situation that happened in your life over the matter of what sounds like a few years um, sort of took out on you? I would say that uh, from a physical standpoint, the one thing that I, I would point to is I've never had any issue with my blood pressure. And now I've, I've had high blood pressure, which is interesting because, you know, was that brought on just because I'm getting older? Um, you know, I've always, it's not a weight issue or anything like that. So I think that it could be stress related that even though I maybe come across as a pretty mellow dude and, and, uh, you know, pretty low key and maybe internally, I, I am keeping some things inside that have created a issue with my blood pressure. So that's one thing. Uh, and then I've also, from all my years, you know, you got to remember, I grew up in Southern California, Las Vegas, Hawaii. <laughs> so I've had, I've got a lot of skin cancers I've had to deal with because all my time in the sun, which I don't regret for one moment, those were fun times and still have fun times in the sun. Now I just, you know, use broad brim hat and a little sunscreen, which we never had in the seventies or sixties. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I've dealt with some of those and I had a melanoma cancer last year where I had to have a surgery done, but you know, everybody goes through these things. And I think that's the way I look at it is like the things that, that I'm going through, I always run to somebody that seems like their situation is worse than mine. And, and I think that I, I, that's just how I kind of look at things is that I have problems. Brian has problems. We all have problems. And so we just deal with them and move forward and try to realize that I'm one of those people that believe that people are inherently good. We, if you watch the news, you might not think so. I encourage people not to spend too much time watching the news because uh, good stuff, good news doesn't sell. And having been, (laughs) having been in that business, I I can tell you that we, uh, you know, as reporters and things, the crazier a story, the the more carnage, the, the better. Yeah. So yeah, stay off the news and just realize that, you know, look at your neighbors, look at your friends. Those are good people. And and that's what I have found as I've traveled throughout the, certainly throughout the United States, a little bit throughout the world. Um, man, I, I've met good people everywhere. So I, I just choose to look at things in a positive way. No, and, th- and that's awesome. I mean, uh, the one thing that sort of came to mind, I don't know if you've read um, the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Uh, I won't say the full word, um, but <laughs> but yeah, there's this book, Mark Manson is the uh, the author, and and I just finished reading it maybe a few days ago, and, and that's one of the biggest statements sort of in that book, and, and something again that I want to just sort of bring up again is like, you're not the only one with a problem. We all have them. We all, as human beings, we're going to face problems over and over again. Obviously there's, you know, severity and stuff like that, that might be different between my problems and your problem. But 
we all have them. And then the sooner that we can sort of accept that, which it seems you've done, I think the, the easier it is to sort of, you know, move forward and, and, you know, continue growing in life because we're not so stuck in our own heads of like, my life sucks. I'm the only one. And, you know, and uh, nobody else can understand or whatever the case might be. So I, I definitely, definitely sort of feel like that's uh, something again, important to bring up is like, yeah, we all have problems. <laughs> it's not just me. It's not just you. It's everybody. Well, it's true. And, you know, overall, I mean, I'm still doing a lot of fun things and uh, still got up playing ball even during this. I don't know when you're, this will broadcast, but, you know, right now we're in the middle of this pandemic. So we're staying socially <laughs> distanced and, you know, yeah. wearing masks and when we go to the store and things. But I still get out three, you know, two, three days a week playing softball with my friends. We just, you know, we have it set up in a way that one guy pitches, one guy hits, a couple of guys are in the outfield. We stay apart from each other, but it gets me outdoors. Uh, we we live in an area where there's plenty of places to hike, and so we're out in the beautiful blue skies. Although you know it's 105 degrees here this week, but uh, <laughs> but still, it's you know there's things that we can do and get out of the house and still find beauty in the world. And um, so I just try to remain optimistic and just realize that you know this may be the only life I have. Uh, I don't know that, so my wife and I share these feelings. We just want to get the most we can out of life and, and try to be a positive influence on other people and surround ourselves with people that, that have a, a similar approach to life and that are going to make you feel better and be a better person for spending time with them. So that's what we choose to do and how we choose to live. Well, that's a great sort of lead into my next question, which is, you know, at this point in your life with everything that's happened and everything that you've sort of been able to achieve and um, would you say that you've, you've found success and fulfillment in your life or would you say that you're still on a journey towards that? I would say that I feel like my journey is, I guess, winding down. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm that old, but on the other hand, I feel like the things that I really wanted to do, the goals that I set, I actually have some goals I wrote when I was 18 years old. And I was looking at them the other day and I hadn't seen them for a long time. And I checked off most of them. I mean, one of them was to play professional baseball. I never did. Um, so that was one I failed on. But other than that, the, the ones that were really the important ones, I guess, like be a father, you know, be a husband, have a, a good marriage, um, you know, those things, you know, own a home, whatever. Those things have happened. And I've, it doesn't mean I haven't had some struggles along the way. I actually had a marriage when I was a young person of the age of 21 that, that lasted two years. But even that I used as a learning experience. Um, I like to say that I was a starter husband for my, my, <laughs> my uh, ex-wife. But, but you know what? I, I, I chose to take some good out of that. and just I just remember thinking, hey, I don't want to go through this again. So how can I make sure? How can I be better? How can I you know, work to improve so that I don't go through that again. And so I think that's how you have to look at life is that when you stumble or you, you have a problem, you just try to learn from it and try not to have it happen again, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the overall message of this podcast. So, I mean, you, you just sort of gave a, a perfect definition of what, you know, we're trying to do with the, the messages through this podcast of just learning from the things that, you know, might not be so easy in life, whether it's struggles or vulnerabilities or whatever it might be, it, it's being able to look back at them and, and use some sort of, you use them to learn from rather than just sort of getting again, stuck in that place of like, you know, why did that happen to me or 
or whatever the case might be. So, I mean, you, you did a pretty good job there. And I also th- find it pretty incredible that at 18, you were able to sort of have those sort of goals for yourself. At 18, I don't think I was thinking about marriage or anything like that. So, but uh, it's uh, pretty awesome that at 18, you already sort of had some idea of what you wanted out of life um, in the future. So I just thought that was interesting because like you said, most of us at that age probably aren't thinking about a lot of the things that it seemed you were already. Well, I've always been one that believes in goals, you know, and I always write them down because a goal not written is only a wish. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw that somewhere long ago and I've always remembered that. But, you know, Brian, I think your your podcast is is um, helpful. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of podcasts out there. I believe over 800,000 last time I saw. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're on every subject you can imagine. But I think a podcast like yours is one that people can tune into and walk away uh, feeling better for having spent the time listening in. And, and so, yeah, I commend you for having your podcast and, and trying to, to uh, have a show each week or, or however often you put them out that is going to help and inspire people. And I, and I hope that my message has done that today. I mean, that's why I do these things. That's why I have a podcast is in part, I just want to share the life story of other people. And, mm-hmm. and usually we can walk away and say, Hey, you know what? I learned something from that today and and I feel better for having listened in and wow, that guy went through, I'm thinking of some of the guests I've had on my show and I, and I've said, man, I tell you, um, it, it's interesting. I I'm interviewing a guy later today for my show and he was a person that, that I spent a lot of time with mostly in the past. We don't get together as much now, but he said something I've never forgotten he happened to be my boss at the time and we were driving in the car and I was complaining about something. He said, listen, if we gathered up everybody that you knew and we all stood in a circle and one by one, somebody stepped forward and talked about all their problems that they had in their life, you would sit back down and, and just count your blessings. And I've thought about that so many times because sometimes it's like, whoa, 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 was me. I have all these problems. And you just don't know what other people are going through and the problems they have. So back to your podcast, I think, you know, getting your message out there on vulnerability and that it's that, you know, Hey, that's everybody is vulnerable in some way that you're doing some good things. So thank you for that. I appreciate that for sure. And, and just to get back to, you know, lessons and everything like that, you know, at the end of the podcast here, um, one of the, the, the question that I ask all my guests is if, you know, people were to listen back to this, I think one thing that, you know, sort of is great about your story is you were able to take something out of each situation. You were able to learn something. But if you could give our listeners three important lessons, three things that you can really take away from sort of your life journey that might be able to help them with some sort of struggle or vulnerability that they're going through, what would you say those three important lessons would be? Well, first of all, if they're going through a struggle or something, just to to recognize and realize that you know, time has a way of helping. If you can just get through this hour, this day, this week, you'll be okay. You'll, you'll, you'll grow from that and you'll learn from that. And I've had some adversity in my life. And I would say that, that each time those things have happened, maybe whether it's a failure in the business world or in a relationship or, or losing a child or whatever, you will move on. And so that would be one thing, just recognize that, just give it a little time. Uh, the other thing I would say is that so many of us get caught up in always looking to the future. 
I can't wait until this. I can't wait until she's potty trained. I can't wait until, you know, <laughs> she's out of high school. Uh, I can't just enjoy the moment enjoy the time that we're in and don't always look for, I can't wait until's. So that would be one thing. And the, uh, the, the second thing. And then the third thing I would say would just realize that you're not alone, that everybody has problems. Everybody is going through things and that many times they just keep it to themselves. And so you might see somebody from afar and think, oh man, they've got their shit together. They don't have any problems at all. <laughs> Only to, if you really knew, <laughs> you know, so just, and I think that comes with age. I think that's something that I have learned is that as I have sat down, there's a, there's an expression in Hawaii, it's, it's talk story. And as I sit down with my teammates, I play on a team out of Maui. And as we get together each year and play in our tournaments and stuff, we'll finish a game and then we'll talk story. We'll sit there for three hours, drink a few beers and just talk. And I tell you, you really learn what's going on in somebody's life. And it's like, holy cow, I had no idea that A, B and C had gone on because they'd never told you or you yeah. had never asked. So that would be the third thing is just realize, you know, everybody has issues and just, you know, be happy that yours aren't worse than they are. And that the ones that you have, you can overcome if you just work at it and give it a little time. I think that the, 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 the last one, what makes me think of is gratitude is that, you know, we all need to just have a little more gratitude and gratefulness. And like you said, like count our blessings for everything we have. And, and the first one, I also think, you know, just in terms of, like you said, time can heal. Like, I think that that's something we all, you know, in time, and when you're thinking about sort of the second point you made of thinking too far into the future and everything like that, I think that we all sort of think we don't have enough time, but if you really like sort of look at look at it there's there is quite a bit more than we would imagine and is maybe just more of you know figuring out how to use it better in a sense and and like you're saying if you sort of just let sort of time pass and everything like that like things will get better things will change you just have to sort of you know allow it to happen you can't just sort of get stuck and and be like like i said we're, we're earlier on in the podcast where you're just constantly you know, stuck in that time or that period or, or that thought, you have to just you know, embrace the fact that later on and, and in the future, things will definitely get a little bit easier. So um, yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely like those three. Uh, so last thing I do is just give everybody an opportunity, everybody that comes on an opportunity to sort of just promote themselves, let people know where to connect with them on social, if that's something they want to do, or if, you know, again, you have a book that you might want to promote, anything like that. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. I would just say if anybody's interested in my book or my podcast or anything that I'm doing, um, my, my website is nobody knows Uh, you know, it's pretty simple. <laughs> you can find, you can find my book there if you want to, it's on Amazon, but, uh, I just do these things mostly Brian, just, just because I enjoy it. I'm a people person. I enjoy talking with folks and, uh, even, even when I'm playing softball, we'll, we'll stand 10 feet apart in the outfield and we'll just, just talk. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. And, hey, what's going on? You know, and, 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 and the, I guess the other thing in my life, and I encourage, I always encourage my kids when they were young to do this too. You have a choice in who you spend your time with, spend your time with people who are going to make you feel better that are going to, you know, just appreciate the fact that they're trying to make you a better person. You're trying to make them a better person. And, and that would be my, my takeaway on, on just life in general is spend your time with good people and, and, uh, having some, some good times and try to realize that this life can be short, can be long, but whatever it is, you know, make the most of it because you never know, just like with my son, 
it's there one day and then the next he's not and you don't know. So it's make, make sure that those times that you do have together, you're spending good quality time and, and sharing some laughs. No, great, great sort of way to, to end it off there. And, and I'll definitely make sure to, to put your website in the show notes there. And I'm assuming that on your website, if people wanted to connect with you on social, um, that you, you would have some links there as well. Because uh, I, I have a feeling there will be some people that want to definitely reach out because I think you have some knowledge and, and just some uh, yeah, knowledge really just some knowledge that you can share and just some ways that you can help. And, and I definitely am glad that we got this rescheduled and, and that you were able to come on. I, I you know, I, I just want to thank you for, you know, opening up so much and, and just really, I think you provide a lot of perspective throughout this podcast in terms of just like, yeah, life's going to be hard and there's going to be things that are going to hit us that we didn't expect, but you know, there's, there's always a sort of a, a light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, is one way to put it. And just, I think that that perspective that you brought was uh, important for a lot of us to sort of hear. So again, thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you for, you know, trusting me and, and coming on here and sharing your story. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciated the opportunity to visit with you and, and uh, your listeners today. Awesome. Take care. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.